0: You're listening to the Library Pros Podcast with Chris and Bob, a techie librarian and a computer IT guy discussing libraries, technology, and all things this side of the reference desk. Thanks, Carl. Hi, and welcome to Episode 83 of the Library Pros Podcast. I'm Chris, and Bob is still moving his family from one house to another. So if you remember in the last episode, he couldn't make it because he was moving. He's still moving. I guess it's been a while, but uh, yeah, he he hasn't made it this time because he's... uh, moving boxes from one house to another. So today we're coming to you from the booth at the Station Public Library in Holbrook, New York. The Library Pros podcast is a bi-monthly podcast, so please subscribe on Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. And please check out us on Twitter at, at @thelibrarypros and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash TheLibraryPros. Consider leaving a review or tell someone about us because word of mouth is the best way to help our podcast listenership grow. So today joining us is Jane Cowell, the Chief Executive Officer of the Yarra Plenty Regional Library in Victoria, Australia. Yes, guys, another Australian has come to our podcast. We're going to talk to Jane about all the amazing things that the Yarra Plenty Regional Library has been doing under quarantine. In, it's Victoria State or State of Victoria? It's Victoria State, right?
1: Yes, yeah, Victoria State.
0: Victoria State. So it's one of the hardest hit states in all of Australia with regard to COVID. First, let's chat with Jane. So first of all, welcome. You're one of our many guests that have, we've had from Australia, but the first from Victoria. Now, I know you're not originally from Victoria, but you're the first guest that's physically in Victoria. So welcome to the podcast.
1: Thanks. And it's wonderful to be here. Really, uh, I really enjoy uh, talking about libraries and talking about libraries uh, with international colleagues is a great uh, opportunity for us.
0: We learn so much, right, from each other. It's great.
1: One of the things I love about being uh, in the library industry is that we share, you know, sort of everybody's willing to share what they're doing, what they're learning, you you know, which is a fantastic industry to be in.
0: It really is considering the way the rest of, most other industries are where it's competitive where we have no problem sharing what we're doing, you know, no matter where we are. So tell us about what a, because we've heard this term before, and I know what it means, but for the listeners here in the States and maybe in other places that aren't from from Australia, what a regional library is. And can you tell us about the Yarra Plenty Regional Library, the, the region that it serves?
1: Certainly. So the, the Yarra Plenty Regional Library is a, uh, a government corporation. So we're a corporation in our own right. Uh, we have a board of councillors, uh, like which equate to a board of directors, if you like, uh, who uh, manage. Uh, the library. We are, are a regional library because we serve three different local government areas. So we're at in northeast Melbourne on the outskirts of the, we're at the outer end of the metro Melbourne um, suburbs. Uh, but the three councils that we serve are Banyle City Council, Whittlesea Council, and Nillumbick Shire. So um, Banyle and Whittlesea are two of the highest growth uh, shires councils in the state. Uh, so, you know, sort of really um, a lot of people coming through. Um, the population that we serve is a, with all three councils uh, is over the 450,000 mark. We have uh, nine physical branches, two mobiles, uh, and um, we're about to open a, a little um, hub a staffless hub where people can pick up their holds. So you know, sort of, we try and serve qu- quite a lot of smaller towns that are growing because the developers are coming in and and taking up the land. So that's uh, a regional library service. So we we are we are governed by legislation, uh, and uh, we have to operate as if we're a council in our own right. But yeah, so that's why I'm the CEO uh, because um, we um, are a separate entity.
0: Wow, four hundred and fifty thousand people. Yeah, that's a big. So, that's yeah, a big so it's place. A, it's a
1: big, it's, a, it's a big it's a big library service. Mm.
0: So, how long have you been, first of all, in the profession, and how long have you been at Yara?
1: Um. So, in the profession, Chris, I like um over. Can I just say over twenty years? Sure,
0: that's <laughs> fine. That's fine. We don't want to give any any anything away. You don't want so, to give away so. Yeah
1: yeah I'm lying about my birth date from now on, but yeah um, so um yeah, so over twenty years uh, in the profession, I've been at Yara plenty for two years now.
0: you like it there right
1: i do it's it's uh, um they they're a great bunch of stuff we have about hundred and eighty staff. They're, they're, a lot of them are part-time, so they're not full-time um, That's not full-time. But, yeah, so they're a great team. Uh, everybody's really committed, as in most libraries, everybody's really committed to serving their community. Uh, and um, our councils are, are really supportive of us. Um, in, a, in a time where a lot of councils are cutting their libraries, I've convinced all three member councils to extend our opening hours. So um, I got an increase in budget uh, this year. Obviously, uh, we are being affected by COVID, but, you know, sort of when we can get back to COVID normal, we'll have extended opening hours, which will include all day Sundays.
0: Well, let me ask you a question that's not necessarily on the script. We say we never follow. <laughs> um, with regard to your funding, how do you derive funding? So like here in Suffolk County, if you're a civil service library, you derive or most libraries here in Suffolk County, you derive all or part of your revenue from property tax collection. How do you get your funding there?
1: So so, uh, so, our councils that we serve pay us the budget. So, you know, so we don't collect the taxes. The councils do, um, and the councils do collect it through property taxes, but they also have revenue. They own leisure centres. They you know, sort of, um, so they have other revenue and there's also significant um, developer contributions that go to council. And then I present a budget uh, to my board. My board endorses it, takes it back to their councils So I have represented from the three councils. The three councils must agree to the budget, and then it comes back and it's approved. So I I send an invoice um, quarterly, as if I was a business, uh, to each of my member councils, and uh, that's how I make the payroll.
0: (laughs) Wow, that's a little different than we do here. That's really interesting. Mm -hmm. And you have to deal with three councils, so that's like having three boards.
1: That's
0: Basically. exactly
1: right. Wow. Yes. Yeah, they're three very different communities too. So it is quite a challenge. So the Nillimbik Shire is quite regional, quite rural, so very small uh, villages, um, you know, sort of lots of farming land. It is the green wedge, so it cannot be developed. Um, so, you know, sort of by legislation they can't sell the land. It's a green, it's a green wedge shire uh, to keep um, some land. Um, and, you know, sort of our city of Whittlesea, highly multicultural, a lot of um, low socioeconomic, you know, sort of um, communities there um, in one, in two of our communities where we have um, libraries, 30% of the population doesn't have internet to the home, you know, sort of so much lower and much higher needs, uh, you know, sort of in those communities, and our banuel City is more densely populated, uh, you know, sort of uh, is a bit more metropolitan, uh, you know, sort of, again, different needs. So it's quite interesting how we need to align our libraries, you know, sort of to meet the individual communities. So it is about being local but also aligning. It is a balance, you're right, you know, from a corporation to align our strategies with our three-member councils when they're so different. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, we're we're working really hard with them and they, they, they really appreciate it. And, again, in their surveys every year, the library comes out on top.
0: You can't beat that.
1: Can't beat that. (laughs)
0: <laughs> and it also, it also sounds like, you know, one of the things that we're struggling with here, and by here I mean just generally in the United States, there's that digital divide. And it sounds like you're kind of dealing with that digital divide as well, whether it's a rural community or whether it's an urban community that happens to be low, lower socioeconomically.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, sort of there's also the digital divide in terms of age, you know, sort of so and, you know, ability. Um, I, I do, We did help I, and age doesn't stop people. Uh, you know, we've just helped 93 year old set up her iPad, and download her first ebook. So over the phone. So, so yeah, so I, I don't, but I do think it's, the willingness to move to the new technology with um, our older population. But mostly it's affordability here where we are, you know, sort of the NBN, which is the Australian um, broadband, you know, sort of um, network that was rolled out across the country uh, is in all of our area. Um, So it it is accessible. Uh, where I know in America it's not you know sort of it's not accessible everywhere, so it is accessible, but the issue for a lot of people is it's not affordable,
0: and that so, that really is the, the big issue. So you know you there's here I mean here where we are in Long Island it's fairly suburban, almost urban, and you know yes we have internet service here, depend, and depending on there are some municipalities that won't let one one company in, so there's only one company that does it. Uh, and then the, the big companies kind of share stuff. But, you know, it's basically like almost like Monopoly and you kind of stuck with what you get. And, you know, it's mm-hmm. not cheap. It's not cheap to have internet in your home. So and now we're, it's a big struggle with with the kids with remote learning, whether you're doing a hybrid model or whether you're – um uh whether it's hybrid or whether it's stay-at-home altogether. Whether or not there's enough – first of all, whether or not you have enough broadband in your home, whether or not you need to upgrade that. And then whether or not the schools have enough broadband to do the – the, the streaming from the classroom. So there's there so many different things. And we'll talk about this in the next segment about propelling the libraries forward five years. They use five as a number. I think it's more than that, depending on what library you're talking about. But, you know, it has to do with, with that kind of thing.
1: And I do think like, I do think it's an, like, it's an equity issue, particularly with education, you know, no teenage, like I really love what the New York Public Library is doing with learning out hotspots you know, sort of um, because no teenager I've ever known does their homework before 11 o'clock the night before. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so if you don't have internet to the home, you know, sort of, and education's the only way to get out of poverty in my view, you know, sort of so, you know, and they're already hampered if they don't have internet to the home. And oftentimes they might have one computer and five children, you know, like so all of that kind of uh, issue as well. Um, And, you know, uh, my sister's children uh, Uh, doing a remote learning and you know the first two days the school the school um, server crashed you know sort of so you know they started doing the remote learning you're right the schools just weren't you know weren't prepared didn't have enough um, a big enough pipe (laughs) I still have to use it as a visual thing (laughs) Uh, (laughs) to to actually, um, you know, sort of cater to the demand from all the students. So, you know, there is a lot more that we need to think about it. In Australia, we have um, the Australia Digital Divide Index, and um, a digital inclusion index, and it really goes down to postcodes, but it does a survey um, around skills as well. You know, sort of, so it, it, we can see where affordability is an issue. We can see where you know, sort of, which demographics its skills is is an issue. Um, you know, sort of, so there's quite a lot. Um, and our major provider uh, Telstra has a has a foundation, and. We've got a Be Connected grant um, to look at digital mentors uh, to actually help people you know sort of fill like you've got to fill in a government form you can't you can't actually apply for a job now unless you you send it by email you know and do it online so you know sort of all of this uh is is a real need uh for people who are, are not skilled or who don't have access so it's one of the key things that we've been finding with uh, our closures is um they don't have access to a computer to send off their resume we're looking and i know um a lot of your libraries are doing it as well, but we're looking to put the Wi-Fi hotspots outside so that, you know, sort of people can actually um, have access uh, to the internet outside the libraries because they, they're not allowed to come in.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's, that's one thing that we have. Uh, we, even before we've always had it, we have garden in the back. So we have Wi-Fi, you know, in the in the parking lot, in the yeah. garden in the back. So you could be, you know, not even in the library grounds and still pick up the Wi-Fi. So, And that was something that was um, amped up. During our lockdown, when we were still uh, in lockdown,
1: so um, because you're not allowed it out, (laughs) we haven't done it in the hard lockdown. But you know, sort of as we're coming out of it, we we will ramp it up.
0: Yeah, yeah. So we're going to ask you more about your library's efforts in Victoria and COVID-19, but for our non-Australian listeners, can you tell us about Victoria's struggles with coronavirus, you know, the lockdowns?
1: So where we start, so, yes, so basically the, we had a first wave, which we contained uh, through a hard lockdown. And what a hard lockdown means is that um, you can only go out for four reasons, which is exercise, shopping, caring uh, for someone and, you know, sort of they did allow parental visits, you know, sort of so for split families. So that was happened in March uh, and we contained the numbers and then everyone came out of lockdown and partied hard. That's <laughs> all I can say. And uh, <laughs> in partying hard, we ended up with a second wave. So and the second wave, we were looking, you know, sort of at 700, you know, sort of cases a day and the infection rate was uh, close to 2 Um, And I know you're thinking, oh, you know, sort of New York (laughs) didn't have hard lockdowns. But the response uh, from the Victorian state government was to go into a much harder lockdown. And in the harder lockdown, you know, sort of it was if you're out, you can only go outside for the four reasons. Uh, You can only go outside for one hour a day for any of those four reasons. So, you know, sort of so you were reduced, your outside time was reduced you had to wear a mask and there was also a curfew um, imposed. So you weren't allowed out between 8 p.m. and 5 a.m. And uh, you were also uh, had a distance imposed on you. So you could not go further than five kilometers from your home unless you were going to work in an essential industry.
0: So we do have a lot of cool things to speak with you about. So we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about Yara's efforts during lockdown and all of the um, all of your great initiatives that Yara Plenty has done to assist a patrons, so we'll be back in just a moment. Hi, it's Chris from the Library Pros, and I want to tell you about the book Best Technologies for Public Libraries: Policies, Programs, and Services. I, along with Nick Tanzi and James Hutter, both amazing technology librarians and previous guests on this podcast, co authored The Endeavor. If you're interested in bringing 3D printing, augmented reality, virtual reality, or drone flying to your library, this book has what you need. It's a roadmap to successfully implementing this technology because we cover purchasing, developing effective policy, finding the right software, and have model programs and services already designed to make planning programs easier. You can find the book on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or wherever you buy books or e-books. I hope you'll check it out. We are back with Jane Cower from Yarra Plenty Regional Library. So, we have to start with something Yarra Plenty has done during the pandemic that was noticed by the Guardian, which is that's that's amazing. So, This is such a great story. I'll just let you tell the story.
1: Okay. So in March, we realised that um, a a cohort of our members who would be really missing us were our seniors, and um, our 70-year-olds weren't even allowed out for the one hour. So, you know, sort of they were... considered high risk and it was really recommended by the government that they stay inside, have their food delivered. There was a significant amount of services that each of our councils offered um, our seniors and we knew that they were not necessarily all digitally um, skilled. So we decided, and I also had to create, I didn't like any staff, uh, I, we looked at all of the roles that staff could do uh, while they were working from home because they could not be on site. And one of the things they could do was and get on the telephone. So we decided to ring every one of our um, seniors as a caring call. We were just checking in. Uh, seeing how they were, that they knew what services they could access locally uh, and also to connect them to our digital library because while our physical libraries were closed, our digital library we've got we have the biggest um, digital library in the state at Yarra Plenty mm-hmm. uh, was available for use. So we really wanted to talk them through that. Uh, we were able to talk you know sort of an, a 93 year old through um, setting up an iPad from scratch and downloading her first ebook. So it was that kind of tech help uh, that we gave. But one of the um, real things that we found, and this is what uh, really resonated uh, with The Guardian journalist, was that people were really lonely, you know, sort of, and so that when you're in isolation and lockdown, nothing happens. So the fact that they were hearing from somebody else, you know, your social um, network shrinks uh, and they were just really happy to hear from a, another person and what was happening in their lives. So the calls went from 10 minutes to 30 minutes um, and, you know, sort of one of our members said, you know, like her voice cracked because she hadn't spoken all day uh, until she answered the phone to us. So, you know, sort of that real social isolation uh, was a, a, a big piece that we found uh, when we rang them. So, um there's many uh, different um, uh, numbers out there, but it was eight thousand, not sixteen thousand. <laughs> um, but uh, but still, you know, sort of, and we're we're still ringing um, people to connect with them, um, and it's about connecting them back to the library as well. All of them say they miss the library. All of them say that it's, you know, part of the regular social fabric of their lives. So It's not just about the content. It's about connecting them to people. In a library, you can smile at a young family, you know, sort of say hello to the kids in the library and you're not considered the weird old couple. If you did that in a, a supermarket, you know, sort of you'd be reported, Uh, So, you know, sort of it's that, you know, in a a library you feel safe and people feel safe to connect with each other and they were really missing that. Um, Yeah, So and so that sparked uh, the wonderful First Dog on the Moon cartoon as well about how wonderful libraries were and what we're doing and really focused because a lot of the libraries in Victoria are doing amazing things, um, you know, sort of and um, helping with food packages, uh, you know, sort of going out to people. Uh, a lot of a lot of people have lost their jobs, so you know, sort of that food insecurity is really high, um, and so yeah, it really resonated with what libraries were doing, and for our premier, really um, brought home that libraries are essential, which is why we're part of the uh, first part of the roadmap out of lockdown.
0: Well, I mean, so it makes, it, it, right, it this is an amazing accomplishment because you had you said you have 180 people that work in the library, and they all can't yes. be in at the same time. So no,
1: that's right. Yeah, and we, we were able to, you know, sort of, and the technology behind this is really interesting because, uh, because we have internet phones, like VoIP phones, um, we were able to plug them into um, the um, staff member's router, Wi-Fi router, um, so it operated as if it was the library phone. So when, because we do know that older people don't pick up uh, odd numbers that they don't know. Um, so we wanted to make sure that they pick up the phone, you know, cause they think it's a marketing call or, you know, sort of um, somebody trying to sell them something. Um, so, you know, sort of they picked it up because they knew it was the library number.
0: That's another, another great thing about, you know, the way libraries have handled technology that you could plug a VoIP phone in and give it to one of your staff at home. And, and, one of the big things when we were in lockdown was, am I doing enough? Am I doing enough to justify, you know, they're paying me and I'm working, but, you know, this is really hard to balance. And, you know, where are the where do you draw the line? You know, it's 10 o'clock at night and I'm still doing something. And then you take a whole day off and you feel guilty. This is a great way, I think, so your, your employees feel like they have worth, that they're not taking advantage, that they're actually doing work. And it's got to be very gratifying for them to not only because they're isolated as well, but to reach out to somebody who is really super isolated because they may not even have the internet at home or understand how the technology works other than watching their TV and being subject to whatever's on the ABC.
1: Well, that's exactly right. And, you know, sort of, and the other key thing you've got to remember I report to a board, you know, and the board goes, well, um, why aren't you standing people down? What are they doing? You know, sort of because, you know, their councils were standing um, people down. And, and I was able to say, no, all of our staff are meaningful employed. Everyone had a work from home plan. Uh, we are doing meaningful work, you know, sort of that, um, that is needed in the community. And then I told them, you know, sort of all of the, the work that we're doing and how that's connected. We were one of the first libraries to put up a digital story time, you know, sort of we've reached 200,000 views, you know sort of the feedback that we got from them were you know sort of people going oh Rosie loves that you know sort of our the regular storyteller she was so happy to see you you know so you know a three-year-old thinks it's a real person on the tv and you know sort of talks to them as if they're there so you know sort of all of that um I was able to give to the board and so you know th- they they were absolutely then you know on board, you know, sort of with um, the messaging, you know, sort of that we're delivering a meaningful library service because that's what they pay me to do—to deliver a library service. I'm de- delivering a meaningful library service in a different way that is providing impact for their community. So then they, they stop talking stand downs.
0: And we don't have the, this problem here, but you talk about future proofing yourself, and and what you did actually was quite brilliant. You anticipated what your councils were going to say, and you, you actually anticipated it, put a plan into action to show not only, no, my employees are working, but how essential a library is to the community. So it even transcends just trying to ch- save people's jobs. It's actually having them do their jobs, do it well. And actually, I'm going to even dare say, take a step above and beyond. So they're working from home, but now they're actually doing a service above and beyond what a regular library person, a person who works in a library does.
1: Um, well, I'm, I'm not sure. It's, it, I, I think it was doing it in a different way. And, and like it's above and beyond because it was individual, if you like, because, you know, they were ring people up, you know, sort of one-on-one and they probably wouldn't do that, but our staff were missing people. But one of the key aspects of, of libraries in my view is that that we connect people to people you know sort of we do connect people to content you know sort of that's you know sort of the a library does have contact but we our ultimate our ultimate impact and it's it's really brought home to me um you know sort of when the libraries are closed our ultimate impact of a physical library is that connecting people socially Um, and um I, I did attend a loneliness symposium with research on social isolation, particularly in seniors, but also in our teenagers. And the research is finding with our teenagers that the ones that are most digitally connected are the most lonely.
0: I'm not so, surprised by that, but yeah, that's just really interesting.
1: And you know, sort of, so so to me, um, my next step, you know, sort of thinking about our programming, you know, sort of going forward, and you know, thinking about where we're at. And the other key aspect of the research is that when people are lonely and socially isolated, that they lose the ability to speak to each other. They lose the ability to break the ice, you know, sort of so that that the less you talk, the less you know how to do it. And because, you know, when people are in a queue, they no longer talk to each other, they look at their phone. You know, sort of when you go to a meeting, everybody's looking at their phone instead of breaking the ice and chatting. So I think we need to be much, libraries need to be much more intentionally, intentional about making space in our programs to for the audience to speak to somebody they don't know. So in our story times, I think we should say, now, is there a mum here you, who you don't know? You know, sort of, would you like to introduce yourself? You can do some icebreakers, like you can introduce yourself with the name of your first dog and uh, surname of the first street you lived in. So hello, my name's James Sydney. Um, you know, so that, you know, sort of you can break the ice in that way. But, you know, I think we need to be more intentional about that because people don't do it on their own. Uh, so yeah, so it was. It's been quite, quite interesting about that um, aspect of libraries and the the thing that they miss.
0: And it's it's interesting that you bring that up because the first people who were coming through the doors once we did reopen in our library were you know they, you had your regulars, but you had people who were also looking for some type of interaction. Uh, there was one I I don't work the reference desk as much as I used to because I manage the makerspace. Um, but I had this one gentleman come up and he says, can I talk to you for a moment? I'm like, yeah, sure. What, what, you know, what do you need? What are you looking for? not, I just want to talk to you. I'm like, okay, now this is yeah. kind of weird and strange. Now, what does he want to talk to me about? Am I in trouble? Did I do something wrong? Is he going to complain? And he, he just wanted to sit and talk. So mm-hmm. I said to my colleague, I "Said, give me like 20 minutes. And mm-hmm. I sat and just chatted with the guy. He just wanted to talk to somebody.
1: That's exactly right. And we've had since the article in the Guardian, there was a, a lovely, um, older man who rang and left a, a tear-filled message uh, on our voicemail saying he thought we were wonderful people and could we please give him a call. Wow. So he did. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> he, he, but, you know, like again, you know, he, he was obviously an older gentleman, you know, you can tell in the voice. Um, and, you know, sort of it, it really resonated with people. You know, they, they want to connect with people and they see the staff, you know, as somebody they know particularly, you know, the regulars, but you know the guys who come in and read the newspaper, the older guys, they nod to each other. They know that's Bob. You know, have, do you, hey, have you seen Bob? You know, he hasn't been in a couple of days. Do you know if he's all right? You know, like, I mean, they might not chat, but, you know, they nod to each other, they know each other. So that social connection um, I think is just as important as access to um, the opportunities that libraries do through access to the content and the internet. So, um, Yeah, I I think it needs to rise to the fore.
0: Well, you know, it's funny, as you were talking, I started to think about how I was reacting to being in lockdown and everything else. And, you know, we all had those those feelings of, you know, that that anxiety, that feeling of how do we get back to this? Can I still do this job? You know, I'm kind of bored, I'm kind of upset. And after my first day back, it was so nice to be around people. And so nice to help people. So I was helping colleagues do stuff because you know they needed something engraved. I needed, you know, they they had with we had some ideas to to 3D print some PPE things, and the, the brain started to move again. And it just it felt so good. It was like such an endorphin thing. And when I came home, my wife said, "How how was how was your day?" I said, "Oh my god, that was one of the best days I've ever had." Mm-hmm. I, you know, mm-hmm. it's it's almost like being addicted to something in a certain way, because you felt, I felt so much better when I came home because I was able to help people. And it's almost like a drug, you know, if, if you like to help people that it becomes something that you almost yearn for.
1: Absolutely. But it's even the connection between each other as staff. When I went back into the office, you know, sort of when, um, we had the small, <laughs> f- um, out of lockdown, um, you know, I threatened to hug all the staff because I'm, i thought, oh my God, I haven't seen, it's to real people. There are real people in the world that I know, um, you know, sort of, so that whole connection socially, I think is really important for us as humans. We are social animals. Uh, and uh, yeah, and we know that loneliness, you know, sort of leads to a whole heap of health issues too. So, you know, um, one of the, strategies that uh, the Victorian libraries, we have an association called Public Libraries Victoria where we all come together as a network. Uh, And one of the strategies that we're looking at um, doing more research around and really uh, focusing on in the next three years is health and wellness and, you know, sort of what is the library's role uh, in both uh, individual, for an individual, but also for communities around health and wellness Um, so we really want to, you know, sort of do some and loneliness, you know, sort of uh, is a health issue. So, you know, how do we actually uh, what's the impact of libraries in that space?
0: Right. So going hand in hand with that concept, you um, did something digital that I think is pretty innovative. Um, and you launched the page on your library site called your library at home. Tell us about that.
1: So um, it, it was about me- the messaging because, you know, sort of the, while the physical libraries were closed, we were still open, you know, sort of, and we were open digitally. So we wanted, and the other research that's happened, um, and I don't know if, if you look at the the consumer research, is that what people say about being online is that the choice is overwhelming, so therefore I can't choose, you know, sort of so um, it was really important for us to curate Um, our messaging and curate, you know, sort of our resources uh, into sections, if you like, or into messages that will connect with um, the reason people use digital. Um, And the other key aspect of lockdown is that, as you say, you're bored, you know, sort of um, you're anxious. So, you know, if you've got parents at home, you know, sort of with children trying to do online schooling, you know, sort of you're anxious about your own job as a parent, um, you know, sort of how are we are going to continue? You're not actually thinking about activities for your children when they can't go outside. So, therefore, tension in the family rises, you know, sort of all of that uh, aspects and stress uh, just goes through the roof. So we were looking at how can we curate our library at home for you to use at home? And that's what uh, we put in place, you know, sort of was... Um, a page that looked at you know how parents could use our, our library how older people can use our library you know sort of what tech help was available so you want to learn while you're home in lockdown you know sort of our learning our lynda.com access. Uh, went up by something like 600%, you know, sort of we really promoted. Uh, we do have a lot of multicultural uh, community with uh, who have languages other than English, so our English uh, learning classes went up by 200%, you know, like so we really focused it around those key messages of using our resources and so that's why we did that. Um, but, you know, sort of we have a Kids Corner uh, which has all of these activities that you can do at home. So how to do science experiments at home with everything in your kitchen cupboard, you know, sort of uh, everybody's got a box of Lego, you know, so here's a whole heap of Lego activity, you know, so so really uh, targeting that even our school holiday program was all how you could do at home. So we were curating activities that link to our um, digital uh, collection, but also that you can actually do at home and keep your kids busy and that th- they loved it. Our community absolutely loved it.
0: Well, you know, what sounds unique about it as well is that there's tons of videos on YouTube on how to do X, Y, and Z. And to just have another video that maybe you saw that video and said, well, I'm going to make that the same video and then make it available for our patrons kind of is, yes, you're still serving the community, but what are you really doing? But if you can curate what you're doing and then Connect it to what you have in your collection, whether it's a digital collection or a physical collection. That's that's the genius part of this, because you know anybody can go and say, "Today we're going to make cookie cutter cookies, or we're going to do, we're going to learn coding, or we're going to, you know, do something that there are probably people out there on YouTube that can do it much better." Um,
1: Absolutely, don't don't reinvent the wheel.
0: Exactly. Exactly.
1: And the, the other key thing was our stay-at-home film festival. So, you know, we created weekend events, you know, so your stay-at-home film festival connected you to our Beamer Film and Canopy streaming um, services, but curated – um, you know, sort of. Uh, so, you know, during the morning uh, we had PG. You know, in the afternoon you could learn a documentary, and at night when the kids went to bed, you could watch a horror movie. So, in, do you know what I mean? Like, so we actually curated the estate so that you can enjoy a film festival from your couch. So, you know, sort of all of those uh, activities we curated. We had a murder mystery weekend. Um, that just happened, um, which we kept mysterious. And so it was only released, you know, sort of um, over the weekend, what, you know, sort of our recommendations, um, you know, sort of. And so, yeah, so it, it's about creating interest, but also creating activities because people are bored. And rather than just, you know, sort of stream Netflix until your eyes glaze over, you know, sort of that, <laughs> you know, sort of, um, and, you know, we know that some people don't have Netflix, but, you know, sort of that, you know, sort of you can actually connect. Uh, you know, sort of to a different thing. We cre- we created a lot of um, family fun nights, you know, sort of, so we use Microsoft Teams. Um, the families came in and, you know, sort of the Harry Potter ones, you know, sort of, so the families competed with a quiz night. And so we had 20 families um, and, you know, they were booked out. So our Harry Potter ones, our Star Wars ones, you know, so we had all of these um, quiz nights uh, where families could get to do together and do something just after dinner. So um yeah, so it was about connecting and helping them do things um, and they're connecting with their library in a different way. We're also doing um, staff quiz nights so um, so the staff can come together and challenge each other on their their knowledge of Star Wars 2 and mine is zero, <laughs> so I, I will lose. <laughs>
0: wow. I mean, it sounds like your staff is pretty tech savvy and really can – yeah but it's it, a
1: mixture like any library service so i still you know I still had staff who don't who didn't have a mobile phone, so you know sort of it's a mixture of uh of tech savvy, but we did a lot of learning as well, so you know sort of one of the aspects for us was that we found was that a, a portion of our staff didn't know what our e digital library offer was you know, sort of because they're focused on the day-to-day, they're focused on the physical in the, in the library, they're focused on people, you know, sort of um, that they didn't know. So we, we did quite a lot of um, staff training around what our e-library offer was, how it worked, how to offer tech help, you know. So in that March, you know, sort of uh, April, uh, we put through um, all of our staff uh, through Reader's Advisory around digital, um and um you know we offer a book valet service where we will um curate you tell us you know sort of what you like you answer four questions and then we curate your next reads for you um and uh you know sort of how we could get staff uh, more involved uh in that and feel confident in that so we did quite a lot of training we also did advanced google searching you know sort of so um so that we can actually so everybody if you were on a a caring call and they, you know, sort of asked a question, you were able to uh, go the next step. You know, everyone can Google. Library staff should be able to advance Google. So, you know, sort of regardless of what my the age or the tech savviness of our, my staff member, they need to be able to do a base level advanced uh, Google search. So we, we were doing quite a lot of um, tech training for staff as well. We also set up um, a wellness hub. For staff, because you're right, you know, sort of when, when do you cut off, you know, when you're working from home, uh, you know, sort of we in our, um, in our meetings, like I'm, I don't know if you get the sense, but I'm a person who you keep going, Do you know what I mean? Come on, we've got to get this done. Come on, come on, come on. Well, you know, sort of um, there, there is a wellness thing there, Jane, you know, so, um, <laughs> you know, so as part of my duty of care as CEO, you know, I need to make sure that my staff take breaks. So, um, so uh, yeah. So I had to learn that, um, you know, sort of uh, that, you know, people will keep going because their CEO keeps makes them keep going. But, we're actually now putting the human back into our meetings that you know like and working with our our leadership team on ensuring that you know um if we have a two-hour meeting where is the break you know where is the going and getting a cup of tea where, where do we put the human back in where do we have you know because if you're in a two-hour meeting face to face you go get a cup of tea you do have a chat you know sort of there's a human element to it and to break up that zoom trance that people go into and you know sort of uh, the covid brain that everyone says you know because we're anxious <laughs> that it's um, you know to to really put the human back in and you know sort of since we've been doing that the leadership team appear to be more relaxed in meetings you know sort of there's more laughter the wellness hub uh, really looked after staff, and you know we were doing activities like team building activities. If you like, uh, we were allowed out one hour for exercise to make sure that staff actually did do that. We walked to Canberra, so everybody put their daily steps in. You know, sort of to see if we could walk to Canberra and back. You know, and we walked. You know, so we had, you know, how many kilometers we needed to walk. We're currently doing uh, a readathon. We're trying to get to 200 books uh, in lockdown. Um, So people, you know, are are popping in what they're reading, whether they liked it, you know, sort of little reviews. Um, So it's just a way to connect stuff to each other when we're so separated and isolated. Well, one of the the things that I find in libraries, and it was one of the things I have to really work hard with um, the staff here uh, about, is that it's okay to fail you know, sort of that a lot of our staff were really, well, they're not now, but, you know, sort of because we've all had to do something different, and, uh, but we're quite hesitant about doing something new because um, they wouldn't do it right. So the first time, you know, sort of some of our staff did uh, filmed story time. it went up sideways. Did, did, did the world end? You know, did anybody die? And what did you learn? do you know what I mean? Like, so to me, it's about, you know, we should all be learning. So it's okay if it's not perfect, because, you know, sort of staff in libraries want it to be perfect. Um, But then somebody will complain. Well, then, you know, we say, we say, sorry, we were learning. We'll get better next time. Do you know what I mean? Like it's that, it's, a, it's about being being in learning mode all the time we want our community in learning mode we don't have to be the experts we can learn with the community and that's okay so really talking uh to staff about it's okay when you try something new um that it doesn't work
0: well it's funny that you said that you're literally t- pulling it right from my head because that's the philosophy that we have in my department you know this is a learning it's a learning process. So we say this to the patrons when they come in. Yes, it's a three D design. We're gonna print it for you. I know you designed it. And if it fails, that's not the end, that's only the beginning. Because the only way you learn, and we want, believe it or not, I want people to fail the first time out, and maybe even the second and third time out, because you're not gonna learn if it's handed to you. So if you get it right the first time and you make we make it and it works and it's great, you didn't learn anything. You well, learn from right. failure. You don't learn from success.
1: And also, you don't want them, like, and, and this is not like this isn't necessary all library staff, but you know, library staff get quite a lot of, um, kudos, quite a lot of self esteem from being the expert. Yep. But you know, sort of where library staff have to move now in in all libraries across the in, across the whole industry is that we have to become the facilitator, like you're the facilitator. You're not the expert. You know, you're the person who helps someone learn. You're not the person who gives them the answer.
0: Correct. And that's hard for a librarian because your job is to give people the answer
1: that's right you know sort of and your self-esteem is wrapped up in knowing the answer right. so you know sort of it really is about you know sort of moving that and because you know sort of the technology is changing all the time the makerspace you know sort of um, technology is changing all the time we've got a design maker makerspace uh, um, you know sort of we've got a wonderful textile making space um, but you know sort of all of those, the, the equipment changes. Now, staff will say, well, we can't use it until you train us. And I'm saying, no, why don't you learn with the, with the, with the community? Do you know what I mean? Like, so
0: Absolutely. You know,
1: here's the tube, you know, like be comfortable with that, but I won't know the answer. That's right. You know, if somebody comes up with you, to you with a new piece of technology, you can say, I haven't seen that before. Let's get on YouTube and learn how to use it together. Do you know what I mean? Like, so exactly. this is the philosophy that we need to move to because library staff are never going to be 100% trained again, ever.
0: Well, you know, you know in, what I mean? it, it, it's like you have a spy camera somewhere on my shoulder because <laughs> when when so, when certain librarians... You know, and I'm not talking about in my building. I'm just saying in, in the profession in general, when somebody's hands them something and they don't know how to use it. Well, well I don't know how to use that instead of instead of taking the strategy, because now you you've put off the patron as well. So now they're not happy. You're not happy. And if you have any inkling of desire to learn something, you're going to say, you know what? I'm not sure either. Let's go sit over here and let's figure it out together, because you know what? You'll learn. And I'm going to learn something new today. So let's teach each other. Show me what you know how to do, and then we'll use that as a jumping-off point to move to the next thing. And I've used that as, and, and that's a strategy. That's a, an interview strategy that you that you do with patrons as part of the reference interview that transitions with with technology especially, and it also breaks down that 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 barrier that that tends to be between a librarian and the patron who comes to the desk because there's that that invisible membrane. That, you know, we have to be formal and we have to say, yes, sir, no, sir. And this is the answer. When you actually pierce that membrane and now we're people and now we're actual people that are being friendly and jovial and and learning something together, that enhances the sense of community and it also builds relationships because that's what we're there to do. And I've told this story on the podcast before where I brought my kids with me to work. It was a half day for me and it was summer and... Um, as we were walking out, three patrons said, Hey Chris, how are you? How you doing? I'm like, Hey, how you doing? Like, why do they know your name? Well, they know my name because I've built a relationship with them. I've helped that one with her iPhone, I've helped that one learn Google Translate so when she goes to Europe she can speak the language. I've helped that gentleman do this, I've helped this person do that. And it's those relationships that are born out of that reference interview. And it's that strategy of come, let's learn this together. Let's do this together. That that whole it's not that, that I'm the expert and you're the novice and I'm gonna tell you what to do and then you're gonna go away. It's taking more than a five minute reference interview, taking twenty minutes. And yes, my colleagues do roll my their eyes at me or they used to when so oh Chris is doing another one of these long these long mm. sessions. But you know what? If they're especially if you're a difficult patron, they're gonna come back to me. So guess what? I just saved everybody else because I'm dealing with a difficult patron who now wants to just talk to me. And for me it becomes a relationship.
1: Yeah. And, you know, sort of, and we've all got limits, you know, of staff, which is where I think, you know, sort of our digital mentors can actually take the next step. Do you know what I mean? As well, so that we can actually, you know, if we, you know, sort of build that connection with people, you know, sort of, so then I think volunteering in libraries will be quite different that, you know, sort of that we provide that opportunity um, you know, sort of to, so you know, oh, look, I've had now four people come in for that. We might do a training session on that. Exactly. You know, sort of so that it also leads to, you know, sort of more programming. Um, the other um, aspect uh, I think in libraries um, we'll, we will do more of, and I think Scandinavian libraries do this um, better than um, us in America and Australia, is that co-design. You know, sort of so really working together with people around, you know, sort of what is what is the program? And I think if we did co-design with teenagers, um, we'd have much better outcomes, um, you know, sort of and, you know, sort of really and build skills in our young people around managing events and managing, you know, getting them a reference because they've been on a committee that, you know, has actually uh, done a program. Um, So that for everything that we do, that there's skill development, it's not us doing it for the community, it's working with the community. Now, that's not with everything, but, you know, and then hopefully we would then um, do things by the community. So, um, you know, so we'd be the host then, we'd be much more of a host uh, than, um, than the deliverer. Doing it to you, um, but you know, sort of, I, I do think that um, that's much more of a future uh, for libraries. Um, it does mean a change of attitude for staff. You're right. I, I think again, it's part of that advocacy because you know, like you know, that the the libraries pay for by the taxes. If the people say no, um, I'm not going to pay that tax then you don't get funding. So, you know, like you really need your advocates, you really need your community advocates and knowing that the library uh, is doing essential work. It's not just good for you, you know, sort of it's doing essential work. And yes, it has a place in my children's life. It has a place in my life. It has a, you know, sort of means that, um, you know, sort of the funding flows. So it all links.
0: It absolutely does. So I have to ask you, where does Yara go from here? I know you guys just reopened. Um, what are your plans moving forward? Obviously, COVID notwithstanding, what 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 do you seek? Since you you sound like a planner, um, <laughs> <laughs> what are you foreseeing now that it's a more measured opening in Victoria?
1: So, um, so just to let you know that you know business as usual for Yarra Plenty is still going ahead. We're actually doing a major systems change at the same time as COVID nineteen. So we're changing our library management system, our website, and our app. <laughs> so there's quite a lot of um, it's minor change changes. And, 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 and lots of changes um we're also um doing uh, quite a number of building works um so we're doing a major redevelopment and um just working with the architect of one of our uh, branches which was built in 1984 um and for next year so you know sort of that will be going ahead we're doing um another major renovation on a beautiful uh, Mill Park library um, and so um, and we're planning for um, a significant upgrade to the car park and the outdoor spaces uh, of Mill Park Library too so you know sort of and that will happen uh, in the coming year uh, so there's quite a lot of you know growth uh, we're planning for um, a new library learning hub you know sort of in a ve- in a growth suburb. Uh, so there's quite a lot of, you know, sort of planning going ahead. So, you know, sort of Yarra Plenty will grow. Uh, I suppose in the immediate future what we'll be looking at is more outdoor uh, events. They'll be smaller and more impactful. So, you know, we would normally get 170 um, people to our story times at all of our branches actually Um and um, we won't be able to, you know, sort of have that kind of numbers. So it will be um, a combination of digital and in-person uh, you know, sort of programming and um, the focus, I think, for our storytelling won't be entertainment like the Wiggles, but will be um, really working with the parents and children about how you can do this at home. Uh, so, you know, sort of real parent, you know, sort of um, uh, building their skills uh, in uh, early literacy. Uh, And, you know, sort of our events, um, there's been, you know, sort of quite, there will be a whole recovery period. So there's quite a lot of financial stress, mortgage stress, um, and there's quite a lot of unemployment. So I think we'll, you know, sort of we'll be really looking to partner uh, with, Groups around resume writing, how to do an online, you know, sort of interview, you know, sort of um, working with businesses around what they're looking for in staff. So really, you know, sort of working with our councils around that uh, program. Um, And, yeah, so I think, you know, sort of um, that's in our future. But I, I think we will be keeping the digital programming uh, and, you know, sort of it'll be a, a, a balance of smaller in-person uh, events that would be ticketed that will be streamed at the same time.
0: Yeah, stream, the, the digital is here to stay. I don't see that going away anytime soon Absolutely. at all. Yeah. This has really been amazing. Um, it, there's, it's it's so nice to talk to somebody who gets it and is on the same wavelength as yourself uh, or as me. So it's real nice to, when you have that meeting of the minds, and I think that's what we have here. Yeah. Um, so we just covered a lot and I think it's time for a short break. And when we get back, we're going to be asking you our top 10 library questions or what we call the 032 list, which is a Dewey number. Now it's up for controversy whether it is actually a Dewey number for top 10 lists or not. Uh, we'll let you be the judge on that. Um, we always give thanks to my friend Melanie Cardone from the Longwood Public Library in uh, Middle Island, New York for naming or giving us the idea of the name to name the list of questions. So we'll be back in just a moment. Okay, we're back with Jane Cowell, who's going to be our next participant in the 032 list. So the questions in our list are inspired by Literary Hub, a source for news about libraries. Um, and they also have interviews related to library land. You can see their work by visiting lithub.com. They do a great job educating and informing library professionals on great topics from all over the world. So you ready? Yep. Okay, number one, what did you want to be when you were a child?
1: I wanted to be the first female Prime Minister of Australia.
0: How come I'm not surprised?
1: (laughs) It didn't happen.
0: (laughs) The next question, what was your first memory of a library and who brought you to the library for the first time?
1: I never attended a library. So in my little town, um, there was no library. Um, And I went to a Catholic school which didn't have a library. (laughs) So the um, books that we shared were the books that the nuns had read. And thank goodness um, uh, one of the nuns was a thriller um, reader. (laughs) And so from the time I was in year six, I was reading Hammond Innes and Alistair MacLean. (laughs) um, uh, So, yes, but I was a big reader and I I, I was a – my mother said "I even as a baby I was pulling the books off the shelf and, you know, sort of surrounding myself with books and I uh, could read by the time I was four. So um, always a big reader. Um, but the first library I went to was when I was in year 11 and 12 uh, when I went to the biggest city. It was really just a bigger town uh, and uh, went to college. And um, it was a big, I considered it a huge library. I couldn't believe the number of books that were on the shelves. And uh, yeah, it was uh, a haven.
0: So when did you decide to work in the library field and was it your first career choice? Because a lot of people, for a lot of people, librarianship is a second career choice.
1: So uh, my, uh, I stumbled into libraries. Uh, so it was, um, uh, so, um, what, what will I share with you, Chris? Uh, so um, so uh, my, uh, my life changed course when my father died. My father died at 38. Um, I'm the oldest of seven. Uh, and I had got into the Australian National University to do politics and law. Uh, and uh, I was 16 and that didn't happen. Uh, So, uh, again, you know, still following that uh, political uh, course. Um, I I ended up... um, Married with a child, and um, so I went back to university to start with around education uh, when my um, little boy, who's now an adult, um, was uh, three. But um, I moved uh, to Queensland and got a job in a library, I was the children's library assistant. Uh, and um, I actually, you know, sort of uh, felt quite at home. I'm a storyteller extraordinaire (laughs) and, um, you know, sort of uh, worked uh, in every role in libraries while I got my degree. I decided to get uh, my librarian degree when I was 30 and, um, you know, sort of uh, then went straight into management, um, straight uh, and then after management, I became a consultant uh, around uh, Australia for libraries, uh, strategic planning and for community engagement. I uh, did that for three years, then went to a state library, which um, State Library of Queensland uh, for eight years and then now have this role here as CEO of Yarra Plenty Regional Library. So, yeah, so that's my career path.
0: Wow. That's pretty amazing actually. So who is your favorite fictional librarian?
1: It has to be Batgirl.
0: So. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you.
1: <laughs> so, you know, sort of yeah, has to be Batgirl.
0: That is awesome. <laughs> Finally somebody agrees with me. <laughs> so what would you be doing if you were not working in a library profession? Um.
1: I think I would be teaching. I I do think I'd be in the education sector. Learning uh, has, like the reason I got into libraries um, and, you know, sort of even with um, working with children was their learning journeys, you know, sort of, and I um, always, uh, or I'd be not-for-profits. I'm very good at getting money. um, So I'd be, you know, sort of in a social enterprise not-for-profit So for me, it's about making being in a job that has an impact. So making a difference in somebody's life. So um, I I really think that learning and education uh, um, is the opportunity for people to come out of poverty, uh, and that those who don't um, have that those opportunities lose out. So for those who don't connect with schools, I think libraries are their learning journey and you know sort of how they can connect. Uh, and create opportunities for themselves there. I worked at State Library of Queensland. I worked with a whole lot of entrepreneurs. We created... Um a startup studio, you know, sort of working uh, with uh, people starting their business, and they were, you know, from fifteen to fifty, um, and you know, sort of it, it, being in the library, having those opportunities of that space, you know, sort of equipment and resources, uh, really helped those, and, and a lot of them had never really knew that a library offered that uh, for them, so they 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 were not library uh, young people, they you know, sort of weren't really. Um, Necessarily connected uh, with school, um, but they, you know, had wonderful business ideas and, you know, worked with mentors to actually get it happen. And one of the stories, um, which I always love, is, you know, sort of a 24-year-old uh, worked for the mines. He was made redundant, and of course, he made no savings. You know, sort of, and what he'd spend his money on was three cars, uh, great cars, uh, and he leased them out to Uber drivers. And he ended up uh, with a business partner. Um, making more money than he did in the ma- in the mines. Um, I, I couldn't say that uh, when it happened because it was illegal to be an Uber driver in Queensland at the time. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, sort of we did uh, help him establish his business. Um, so, yeah, so, you know, sort of different ideas.
0: What is your favourite section of the library? So this originally meant fiction, nonfiction, mystery, but with the advent of makerspaces and all the other cool things libraries are doing, it can mean anything. <laughs>
1: Um, I, I I've been on a few world library tours, and um, the the one I loved um, was um, in Finland, and um, it had um, sound technicians, and you know was a music library, and um, had sound booths, and so in, I really like the maker spaces that offer that access to making stuff. Um, and my favourite uh, makerspace uh, in Yarra Plenty is the textile makerspace and it's um, sewing machines, um, it they have a monthly market made in Thomastown and um, those people can actually, what they've made, sell it at the market, you know, sort of there's a whole, and there's a whole social connection that happens uh, with the, particularly the Turkish women, um, you know, who are new to the area, you know, come in uh, and meet other people. The, the makerspace I think that we have now in libraries, you know, sort of has the learning aspect, the connection to the collection aspect, but also the, social aspect that's really strong as um, people come together around making.
0: So if you had infinite space and budget, what would you add to your library?
1: Um, I think I'd add a restaurant and theatre. Um, so, you know, sort of um, I, uh, in, in Australia, and I don't know um, in, in America, but in Australia, we have a real issue with um, poker machines. <laughs> uh, and uh, gambling and, you know, sort of they are completely addictive uh, and um, I think if libraries could be up late, uh, if you can be up late to the library, you know, sort of have uh, that opportunity to showcase, you know, sort of and go out to a place that's not doing you harm, uh, you know, would be really good. And uh, I've seen one and that's in Amsterdam and it's amazing.
0: It sounds amazing.
1: <laughs> yeah. Have you been to Amsterdam, that, that no. library, that city library? Um, and so it's, um, it's seven stories, and one of the stories is a, a restaurant and the, a 200-seat theatre.
0: Wow, that's amazing. amazing. Mm. That really is cool. So what do you love about libraries?
1: Uh, personally, I love access to unlimited books and, you know, that's the perk of being a CEO is that um, I can have as many as I want. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but um, the, the reason I'm in libraries is because I absolutely and totally believe and see every day um, the opportunities that they give to people who don't have opportunities. So, you know, sort of, um, you know, you hear the stories. If you ask people, you know, sort of what the library means to them, you know, sort of that it means that they have a social connection. It means that they have an opportunity to create a business. It means that they can um, learn to sew and meet other women where they'd be isolated in their home. It means that, you know, we have a twilight market where we showcase creatives and offer creatives the chance to, um, you know, sell their stuff and, you know, sort of um, c- connect their business to the community. I think it's libraries are about opportunity and, uh, you know, opportunities that wouldn't be forthcoming. Coming. I also think um, that libraries um, are, are something that shows that civilization is kind. <laughs> 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 sort of that um, you know, sort of that 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 having the existence of a public library, uh, which in neoliberalism and maybe even in today's um, world wouldn't get up. You know, sort of. I actually think that having a public library, a public commons where people of all, uh, ages, um, culture backgrounds, or uh, all learning ability can come together shows, um, that we're civilized.
0: What's the weirdest thing, not necessarily the worst thing, but the weirdest thing that has ever happened in your library career in a library?
1: It hasn't happened to me but somebody told me about the ghost in the library. (laughs) So um, that there's um, and they were in um, a library in Brisbane and they all maintained that there was a ghost there and that odd things happened, uh, you know, books falling off the, the shelf. If they were there alone, they'd hear a footfall. Um, you know, sort of um, I think that it's, that's the weirdest thing that, you know, sort of that we think um, where our libraries are, you know, what is the spiritual connection to the land and, you know, sort of, um, you know, sort of is, is what does that spirit um, eventuate in uh, is, is quite weird. So, yes, yeah, so she shared that with me. That's weird. And in terms of living in a weird time, I think now we're living in a weird time. I have never worked from home. <laughs> And, um, you know, sort of, um, I I think, you know, sort of the COVID-19, the pivoting, you know, while it's exciting and busy and, you know, exhausting, um, it's a completely weird time in libraries. I think libraries have actually, across the world, um, come to the fore. I think, you know, sort of we've all shown how innovative um, and initiatives and, you know, sort of advocacy for people who are left out, you know, sort of all libraries have done that across the world. Um, but, you know, sort of it's a weird, we're living in a weird times.
0: So did you ever have a regular favorite patron?
1: Um, well... Interestingly enough, when you know, sort of, um, I was um, a, a storyteller, the children's librarian. Um, so you know, sort of doing the stories, and you know, sort of when I first went into libraries, um, when I was at another library service, um, a, a young woman came up to me with her child, and she said she'd been to my story time, and she remembered. <laughs> she remembered me so you know sort of so it's interesting how you touch people's lives so um i think it's it's always the children um and their um their 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 attitude of wonder um so for me it's always the young the young ones
0: that's a good answer so our final question what are people without library cards missing out on
1: I think they're missing out on community. I think they're missing out on opportunity, and they're um they're missing out on um, on learning, you know, sort of um, uh, on 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 free learning um, and yeah, that connection. but I, I think the the other thing I think they're missing out is the connection to local. You know, sort of the libraries now take that take that um, th- there might be more bars you know sort of in America that you know sort of are the local. Um, but you know, sort of here, um, that our hotels and, you know, sort of clubs, you know, they, they're not there anymore in the same way where libraries connect you to place, you know, to the local place. And I think that, that um, you know, new people in town go to the library, you know, sort of to find out, you know, sort of um, what's on offer. So I think if you don't have a library card, you're not connected to your place, your local.
0: Wow. Well, this has been wonderful. This has been a great discussion. And is there anything you want to plug or you want to promote or anything that we can push out there for you?
1: Well, you know, sort of you can certainly um, join um, the, uh, our, our events and look at, you know, sort of our website. So I'd love you to check out what we're doing. Um, and, um, you know, we're happy to share. So, you know, sort of if, if your community want to share with us, just connect uh, through the YPRL uh, email that's on the website, so yprl.vic.gov.au. Uh, and, um, you know, sort of we're happy to share, but we really want to hear from you too, you know, sort of and learn and learn from your libraries. So um, really reach out uh, and connect with us. Uh, we'd love to connect with you.
0: Yeah, people, put, reach out because this is an, a great opportunity, especially if you're here in the States, to reach out to somebody from across the sea because mm-hmm. they're doing great stuff in Australia. So, Jane Cowell, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for coming on.
1: Thanks, Chris. It's been wonderful. I can talk lo- libraries forever.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we have come to the end of another episode of The Library Prose, and we thank you for listening. If you have any questions or comments on this or any episode, click on the Contact Us form on our website, thelibrarypros.com. Visit us on Twitter at The Library Prose, and on Facebook at facebook.com slash thelibraryprose. Don't forget to tell a friend or colleague and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Special thanks to our podcasting engineer, Dean Meyer. Remember, the opinions stated by the library pros and their guests are solely those of Chris and Bob and are not those of the Sachin Public Library, the M.S. Clark Memorial Library, or any other library. See you next time. You've been listening to the Library Pros Podcast. The Library Pros are brought to you by Pippet Productions and by the Library Pros themselves, Krista Cristofaro and Bob Johnson. Special thanks to Sachin Public Library for providing space for this podcast. Until the next turn of the page, I'm your announcer, Carlton Welch.